Amen. You may be seated, and children may go to Children's Church. Thank you very much. I was waiting for that. Very good. Yeah, so, so let's start with this. White as snow. Washed white as snow. That, by the way, is what happened for William in Baltimore yesterday morning. Washed white as snow. Bible tells us that our sins are like scarlet. They are, they are a horrible thing. But that, that act of accepting Jesus as Lord and Savior washed him white as snow. And if you've never had that happen, that can happen for you today. You too can be washed white as snow. I'm wound up this morning. I am wound up this morning. It's going to be good. Now, like, i got to tell you, this has been an interesting week or so. And if you've seen anything that I put on social media or any of that conversation, you've seen it. But last Friday, because I'm a genius and I was going to save money, I bought a used lawnmower. Lawnmower is fine. Works great, cuts grass just like it's supposed to. But as I was taking it home, it shifted a little in the back of my Subaru and went straight out the back glass. About a hole this big around. So, that was fun. That was exciting. That was awesome. Not, but it was, right? So, and, and, and I think what really irritates me is that I can't blame anyone. Except me. That was me. So I made arrangements. I made some calls to make sure to try and get somebody to come out and, and, and fix that glass. Um, but it was going to take until Tuesday. So I arranged with work that I would, um, I would work remotely. I'd work from home Monday and Tuesday. So, okay, well, that's okay. I can, I can do that. It was okay. I went to bed Sunday night. We had a church Sunday, we had whatever we did on Saturday, we went to, went to bed, snoozing Sunday night, about 11.30, there's this, Scott, Scott, Scott. Well, when that happens at my house, I sit up like I just got hit by a bolt of lightning. What? And Sheila said, we have a problem downstairs. Okay, so when Sheila wakes me up at 11.30 on a Sunday night and says, we have a problem downstairs, guess what? It's probably not a little thing. By the time I got up and got downstairs, Josh had turned the water off to the hot water heater because there was water all throughout the kitchen. Sheila said she had heard something go pop, and then there was water everywhere. So first thing we did is we checked the water heater dry, dry, except for a little bit of water the, the, the room, the closet was dry. Everything seemed fine. I thought, well, where's that water coming from? So I went over to the dishwasher, and it didn't seem like that was the problem. The whole time we're mopping up, you know, water. Water. Not like you spilled a glass of water, but like water, right? And so we're mopping all that up and getting it, getting it mopped up, and I'm still trying to figure it out. And finally I said, let me test this. Let's test a theory here. Let's see where the water's coming from. So I went and I turned the water back on for the water heater. And you could hear the water. And then you could see it coming out of the wall. Out of the electrical socket in the wall. And you could see it start to gather in the ceiling. 
drip, drip. Turn the water off. Finished mopping up. Went to bed. Fortunately, now, and, and this is one of those, oh, man, but God is good. Oh, man, but God is good. Because I was already going to be home Monday and Tuesday, so I could deal with making the phone calls. Well, we made some phone calls, got somebody. They came out on Tuesday, and they started cutting holes in the wall. They cut holes in the ceiling, so we got this gash right there. What had happened was a water, a hot, one of the, the hot water line going up through the wall, up at the top of the wall where it makes an immediate left turn and heads out under the, over the ceiling, under the floor above, separated. So water, this pipe was just sort of wiggling back and forth, pouring out hot water. Some of it was coming down the wall. Some of it was going over into the ceiling. Everything was wet. It was awesome. It was awesome. But God is good. Made some calls, got somebody out there the next day, and they were able to identify the problem. We got a plumber out there. He fixed the problem, and then they cut a bigger chunk of wall and ceiling. And then the fun started. That's when the two commercial blowers and the two commercial dehumidifiers landed in our kitchen. If you've ever been in our kitchen, that's not a big space for that much equipment. So once that started, it got really loud in there and warm. We were running 85 decibels in our kitchen 24-7 for three days. Yes! That was awesome. It really... No, it wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't awesome. But in the midst of all of that, my windshield got fixed. Or my back window, rather, got fixed. So that was awesome. Insurance man came out and he did his thing and said, okay, you know, we're going to pay for this and this and this and this. We're not paying for the plumbing, by the way, but we'll pay for all of the rest of this. Awesome. Great. Okay. Get ready to go back to work on Wednesday. And now my back glass has been fixed. It's beautiful, brand new, and there's a crack this long in my windshield. But God is good. God is good. Because we have friends who contacted us. Hey, do you need a shower? Which I, I took that as a, as a friendly gesture, not an insult. I, you know, yeah, no, I, yeah, do you need a shower? Do you need somewhere to cool just to come and sit? Or can we help? How, how can we help? And so God is good. You know, we, we have insurance. So I, I'm not really complaining about those things because we, you know, we, we pay for the stuff we have to pay for and, and, and we get on with our lives. But God is good. Like I just, I, I, I was able to, to meet William yesterday at Baltimore. And I met some other folks. I met a bunch of other folks and got to pray with a lot of people yesterday. But when somebody comes into the kingdom for the first time, when they, when they enter the kingdom as a new believer, when their sins have been forgiven, and they look at you and they go, Wow. It, it, it is everything to keep me from jumping up and down and dancing and singing because and, it's awesome. Now, let me be clear. Our life is not awesome, but God is good. 
Life has stuff that happens, but God is good. So in the midst of all of this, by the way, if you haven't heard the news, you aren't on social media, I I suspect, but if you haven't heard the news, our very own dens. It was announced on Friday, it was announced on Friday that they've been signed to a record deal with Face Down Records. This is a big deal. I've been around the music, I've been peripherally around music for a long time. I know of an awful lot of bands that have never been signed. I now know one more that has. So what does that mean for Mission Community Church? I'll tell you what that means for Mission Community Church. It means we must pray more. Because Dens does something most of us are not willing to do. Dens does, they go places many of us are not willing to go. They go into places They go into clubs, they go into venues, and they go in there and they proclaim the truth of Jesus in a place where that's not really their thing. So we need to keep them prayed up. Now, I was really excited when I first heard that that there was this record deal because I thought, I'm certain I've lent those all four of them money at some point. I'm going to get it back now. (laughs) Turns out, probably not. But keep them prayed up and, and their families as well as, as they work the process, as they go places and tell people about Jesus that typically you and I are not going to have that ability. So keep them prayed up. God is good. God is good. So if you've been following along, we're in the book of Acts. We're preaching through the book of Acts, and it is my honor as one of the pastors here to to pick up the mantle for a couple of weeks. I shouldn't have told you that. If you don't come back next week, I'm going to take it personally. Um, But... but, uh, so we're going to pick it up. You know, so the book of Acts is, is a history of the church from the moment Jesus ascended and he told us to be his what? His witnesses. Very good. And where should we be his witnesses? Yeah, everywhere. Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, right? And so if we put that in our context, that's, that's um, Chester, Virginia, the U.S., and around the world. If we put it in a, in a theological or religious context, we are the ends of the earth. We're not the center of the universe. We're the ends of the earth, right? Because that message to them meant we're starting where God is, where the temple was, and it went out from there. It doesn't change our role in that. It change, doesn't change our role that we're the ones to go and to tell told us that in Matthew 28, that as we're going places, as we're doing things, we're to be telling people about Jesus. And we've seen the church grow. We've seen, in the book of Acts, we've seen persecution. We've seen arrests. We've seen beatings. We've seen threats. And then last week, we saw something awfully startling. We've been introduced to a guy named Barnabas. He was one of the church and the church was doing something that, that well, we're not going to go down this rabbit hole today, but they were selling their goods and bringing it to the church. They were selling things and bringing the money for the church. That's a good thing. 
But last week, we saw that Ananias and Sapphira did a bad thing. They sold a piece of property. Ananias came and he laid some money right there at the feet of the apostles. Only he did it deceptively. He did it as a lie because he said, I sold it for this, but really sold it for that much more. And he kept the difference. That was his to keep. But he lied. He lied to the church, which brings up the question about commitments to church. And he lied to God. And in the snap of a finger, fell down dead. No sooner had those young men carried him out, taken him to be buried and came back, and his wife Sapphira came in. Now, in, if you're in one of the community groups, one of the answers to the questions, or one of the questions was, did, did, did they have an opportunity to repent or to, to get out from under that? Ananias? No. Sapphira? Yes. Peter said, did you sell a piece of land for such and such? And she said, yes, dead. Now, there's an interesting tidbit in there. Did you notice that there were uh, the appearance of two members of the Trinity in that passage? Peter said, you've lied to God. And then he said, you've lied to the Holy Spirit. So we see the power of God through the Holy Spirit in that. And you have to know. You have to know that the social media of that day was lit up. It went viral. But the social media of that day was, hey, did you hear about? Hey, did you hear about? Because the church knew about it, and now the people outside the church knew about it. They knew about that power. They were starting to gain respect for that power. So today... Today, we're going to call this today two sides of the same spirit. Two sides, if you're taking notes, two sides of the same spirit. And we're picking this up in Acts chapter 5, starting in verse 12. We're going to read 12 through 16. Acts chapter 5, verses 12 through 16. And when you get there, say, I made it. If you're still there, say, hang on. All right, sounds like we're all there. So I'm reading out of the ESV. I prefer you read the one in your hand or the one behind me. Starting in verse 12. Now many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles, and they were all together in Solomon's portico. So we've talked about Solomon's portico. We've talked about or Solomon's porch. It's a spot there on the east side of the temple where they gathered, where there was conversation and, and, and preaching and things like that. Well, uh, interesting, and this is, this is, all right, this is the Bible nerd coming out in me. It really is, okay? But Josephus, the Jewish historian, said that when Solomon went to build his temple, there wasn't enough land, so he filled in part of a valley. It's like, oh, well, my plans are this much, but there's only this much room. Let's just fill the valley in. And he built what he was after, right? Well, he built such a magnificent, magnificent structure that it was for the wall supporting the portico was 400 cubits high. Quick, in your head, do the math. How much is 400 cubits? Go. Ready? 
Yeah, me, me either. 633 feet. What is that? Well, that's about two football fields or nine semi-trucks or three and a half 757s. It's a big wall. Okay. All right. So Solomon's portico, that was the Bible nerd moment. Off we go. Verse 13. None of the rest dared join them, but the people held them in high esteem. And more than ever, believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women, so that they even carried out the sick into the streets and laid them on cots and mats, that as Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. The people also gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were all healed. May the Lord bless the reading the hearing and the doing of his word. Let's pray. Father in heaven, first I come to you and ask that I would have clean hands and a clean heart here today, that you would, through me, tell your truth, not Scott's truth. And then I pray after that that you would help us to hear your word, to understand your word, to be changed by your word, and to understand application of your word in our context. We thank you for this opportunity. We thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, six fast points for you that are not alphabetical. Six very fast points for you. Number one, from verse 12, we see signs and wonders were done among the people. Signs and wonders were done among the people. What does that mean? Well, it means that there was healing going on and that there was repentance and people were confessing sin and repenting that there were changes in lives going on, signs and wonders. God, through these men, as, he, as Jesus did when he was on earth, used different signs and wonders, a, a, a sort of a biblical term for, hey, look at this, this is pretty awesome, and it's a miracle. You know how if it wasn't a miracle, we'd just call it Wednesday right? But it's a miracle. It's out of the ordinary. It's something different. It's something that we don't expect. These things were going on not to make Peter and John and those guys look cool. It was to point people to Jesus. Yes, to point people to Jesus. So this was going on. What does that tell us? What's the application? The application is they were out in the marketplace. They were out in the public square. They were out telling people about Jesus. What's the application? We should be too. Whether that's in Baltimore, whether that's in Deepahani in South Africa, whether it's at your house or your workplace or your school, we should be telling people about Jesus. Do people know that they could ask you questions about Jesus? I have drop-bys. People just drop by my office. This, there's one lady, she comes walking in, shuts my door, sits down and says, we need to pray. <laughs> well, you know me, I'm going to say, no, get out. No, of course not. I'm going to pray with her. She's, she's a nice lady. She's awesome. We, uh, the other day, somebody stopped by, hey, I know this is sort of short notice, but would you be willing to do a wedding? When is that? Uh, two weeks. <clears throat> Let's talk about that, you know, but... But do people know you as people of Jesus? Do they know us as people of Jesus, right? 
Um, we, see this, we see this idea of signs and wonders all over, but one of the places we can see it, if you're writing it down, it's Hebrews chapter 2, verse 4. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 4. And Hebrews chapter 2, verse 4 says, While God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit and distributed according to His will. Signs and wonders, miraculous things happening, whatever it was, God used that in that time, in that culture, to, to demonstrate who He was and what He was about. Can He do that today? He's still God. Absolutely, He can. So point number one, they were out in public. Point number two, they were together. Let's look at verse 12 again. Verse 12 says, verse 12 says, at the end of it, the second half says, and they were together in Solomon's portico. So we've talked about this in here repeatedly, right? Pastor Pete has talked about one accord, being of one mind, being unified. What in the wide world of sports does that mean? Does it mean that they agreed on everything? Probably not. Did it, does it mean they agreed on the big things? Absolutely. What are the big things? Well, we were in Bible study this morning. We were talking about the five solas. I'm not going to tell you about the five solas now, but if you want to know about the five solas, come and talk to me later. But it, it is the idea that, that Christ is central. It is Christ crucified. That there is only one way to heaven. There is only one God. He is alive in three persons. Those are the things that they're in complete agreement on and that they need to go. So they were out doing that. They were together. We saw that in Acts chapter 1 when they were all together in that room, right? When the Holy Spirit came. So what does that look like in our context? What does that look like at Mission Community Church? Well, let me give you a hint what it starts to look like. And it starts to look like this. Pastor Pete talked about this last week. He talked about our membership covenant. And you may be thinking, what is a membership covenant and why should I care? Well, a membership covenant in our context is a document that outlines what we believe, what we adhere to, who we are. Now, many of us had signed a membership covenant for Bermuda Baptist Church. Well, can I tell you? There is no such thing as Bermuda Baptist Church anymore, so now it's Mission Community Church. And Pastor Pete mentioned this last week, we're going to go through this process again. If you didn't get a chance to sign one last week and you want to be a member of Mission Community Church, you're more than welcome. Let me just highlight some of what's in this, okay? It talks about the qualifications for membership. Wait, there's qualifications? Is there dues too? No, there's, well... Yeah, sort of there is, right? Yeah, we, we call it something else. We call it tithes and offerings. But yeah, no, uh, there are no dues. But there is qualification. So qualification includes being saved, salvation, baptism by immersion, and then a set of other instructions or, or qualifications within our uh, uh, just that fast, our our constitution and bylaws. It talks about marriage and family. What is Mission Communities Church? What is our position on marriage and family? Here's one. What are the expectations of the members? Yes. 
There are expectations to being a member of Mission Community Church. It talks about recognition of a pastoral authority. It talks about, and here's, here's a phrase that is not really wildly popular in our context. It's called church discipline. It's real. It's a thing. But we don't really like talking about it because, well, we're, we're in the United States. We're Americans, and we, we can do what we want. Until you cross the line, and then church discipline kicks in. Let's not have that conversation, okay? Let's not need to have that conversation. And then we affirm a couple of things. By signing this document, we affirm that we have read and agree to this church's constitution and bylaws, which are available. If you want to look at them, we have copies of them. We also can affirm and adhere to the Baptist Faith and Message 2000. Now, one of our community groups spent, oh my goodness, Months, months going through the Baptist faith and message because it's that important and we studied it and we studied it hard. So, so this membership covenant is, is an indicator of being of one mind in our context. So be, be listening for your opportunity. Now, we're not going to make you wait. If you want to sign this today, we'll do it when we get done. So number two, they were together. Number three, they were feared and yet held in high esteem. They were feared and yet held in high esteem. Now, there's some wordplay that goes on in these first couple of verses that leads you to wonder, if you're reading carefully, who's who here? Because it said, uh, it says, they were all together in Solomon's portico. None of the rest dared join them, but the people held them in high esteem. Who's them? Who's they? Who's the people? Scholars differ. I looked at a bunch of different people who wrote about this, and they, they're sort of, generally speaking, they think the, the them is the apostles, the they are the church, and everybody else was everybody else. But you have to, we have to try and put ourselves in that position. The church has just witnessed what has happened to Ananias and Sapphira. Raise your hand if you would be willing to jump right up in the middle of that. Hey, Peter, can I go with you to Solomon's porch this morning? This would be awesome. We're going to have a great time. Yeah. No. You, you, I, I might be a little reluctant to jump right in the middle of that. And certainly the people outside the church were, saw that and in, and if they were previously inclined, if they sort of thought earlier, hey, you know what, I'm going to run up, I'm just going to hang out with these guys because this, this is the thing that's going on. It's the popular movement. I'm going I'm to tag along. And then suddenly these two people die by the power of the Spirit. I got to tell you, I'm doing this. I'm walking backwards slowly and saying, hey, catch you guys. I got a thing. I got to go. I'll catch you guys later. But the apostles were there. They were still working at it. And they were gaining in esteem. Now, they weren't, they weren't doing these things for their own popularity. They weren't doing these things so they'd be cool. 
They were doing these things as a channel for the glory of God. And the people were seeing it. The people were paying attention to it. Number four, multitudes were coming to the Lord. Verse 14, multitudes were coming to the Lord. Okay, raise your hand if you've ever heard, wow, churches are just all about the numbers. You ever heard that? Yeah, yeah. Have you ever heard, well, it shouldn't be about numbers? Have you ever heard that? I get the distinct impression Luke disagrees. Luke tells us on the first day of the first church, on the day of Pentecost, how many people joined the church? 3,000. That sounds like a number to me. He goes on through the book of Acts talking about the numbers of people coming to the Lord. Multitudes is a big number. It's not like seven. It's a big number. So, why do we think Luke's talking about this? Luke, after all, is a physician. He's a scientist in that context, in that culture. He's a historian. You know, uh, scholars used to think that Luke was a terrible historian. They used to think that he was no good at all. But when they read what he had written, and then they would discover things in archaeology that lined right up with what Luke was talking about, he got a little more credit. But Luke talks about the numbers. Well, it is important. It's vitally important. It's incredibly important. It is the important thing that people come to a saving knowledge of Jesus, that we help people get introduced to who Jesus is. And it's not about mission community growing by 3,000 or by multitudes. It is the church, the church universal, not the universalist church, the church at large. Jesus' church growing, people coming to that knowledge. It's about God's glory, and the numbers matter. Because if nobody comes, and if nobody gets saved, and nobody gets baptized, that's a number. The number is zero, but it's a number. Number five, the same Holy Spirit that empowered the deaths of Ananias and Sapphira is the same Holy Spirit that healed through Peter's shadow. So, a little cultural context for you. In that culture, in that culture, people believed your shadow was actually an extension of you. So that if your shadow touched them, you touched them. Or if they touched your shadow, they touched you. So that's why when we read through this, they, they brought people out so that they could be touched by Peter's shadow because they believed that was an extension of him. And, by the way, because the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit, his shadow fell on some of them and they were healed. But the same Holy Spirit, and this is why this is called the two sides of the same Spirit, or two sides of the same Spirit, because that same Holy Spirit that, that acted judiciously with Ananias and Sapphira is saving and healing people. Grace and mercy. 
Grace and mercy. Grace and mercy. Number six. People came to the apostles in Jerusalem just like they had to Jesus. They gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick. They were bringing people just like people came to Jesus, just like people brought their friends and their loved ones to Jesus. Not that Peter was Jesus, but the power of the Holy Spirit working through him. You know, if you think about that, and you think about, um, you think about what happened with the shadow thing. In my mind, there's a, there's a parallel to that woman with the discharge of blood. This woman had been ill for years and years and years. She had gone through all her money. She'd been to all the doctors. She just wanted to be healed. She came to Jesus, and she didn't, even, she didn't even want to talk to him. She didn't want to ask for anything. She just wanted to touch his garment. In our context, she just wanted to get a, the string on his hoodie, right? She just, she just knew that just, just that. The power of Jesus was so powerful that, that that alone was all it would take for her to be healed. And she was right. And these people are thinking the same way. They're thinking the same way. And unclean spirits are being healed. So whether that's demon possession outright or a demon infestation that causes illness, doesn't really matter. People are being healed. They're being cleaned of of unrighteousness they're being cleaned of un and remember when in this context we're talking about the jewish context unclean is almost anything if you touch the dead body you are unclean but if you're possessed by a demon you're unclean people were coming to the apostles the apostles were out in the marketplace to tell them the truth and to bring that same Holy Spirit's mercy and grace to a lost and dying world. What's the application? What's the context? I'm reasonably confident my shadow has never healed anyone of anything. But I know that it's, it is my role, it's my calling to tell people about Jesus. I know, because I can read it right here that I'm supposed to go and tell. We were talking in Bible study this morning about being in South Africa and the, the oppression that comes from the cult there known as the Zion Christian Church. Well, I don't know about the Zion, I don't know about the church, but the Christian part's a lie. It's a cult. It's anti-Christian. But those people need to hear about Jesus. Those folks in Baltimore. You know, when, when our kids go running off to children's church, you know what I was thinking about this morning? Children this big waiting in line to get food.
drug-addicted moms and dads bringing their kids in. The guy I met who's actually from here but living there now, five months out of prison. Smart guy, articulate, did something really stupid and went to jail. Now he's trying to put his life back together. But children, little ones, stuck in the middle of that. Pastor Pete talked to a woman yesterday who had just given her child up to a family member because she was going to have to live in a tent. This world needs to know about Jesus. The people where you work need to know about Jesus. The people where you shop need to know about Jesus. You know, we're, we're one of those families, we've got that habit. We go to a place to eat, we go to a restaurant, and we ask our server, hey, we're getting ready to pray. Is there anything we can pray for for you? Now, there's sort of a range of response. No, I'm good. No, I'm good. So we pray for them most. Um, but we've had people who want to stay and pray with us. And, and there are people who know us now, and very, they'll come to us. Hey, when you're praying today, you know, we don't even get to ask the question. Here, here's, a, here's my list. You know, amen. Amen. Thank goodness that we're known, and it's not just us, it's lots of people. Now, I will give you one tiny tip. If you're going to do that, tip well. If you're going to ask your server if you can pray for them, don't stiff them on the tip, okay? That makes you look bad, bad. So the application is we are to be out in the marketplace. The application is we are to be out telling people about Jesus. And we let the Holy Spirit do the Holy Spirit's work. Now, it is that time for that famous thing called the invitation. And I I just want to give us a bit of a refresher what the invitation is. Because it's a time for reflection. It's a time for prayer. If there's something you need to confess, by the way, you ought to confess your sins. It's a biblical thing. There's a place here to come, to kneel, to pray. If you want someone to pray with you, there are people here that will pray with you. I'm going to make two bold statements and, and I hope you don't, I hope none of you are offended. There is not a person in this room or a, por- a person under the sound of my voice who is too cool to pray and repent. And there's no one too righteous that you ain't got junk you got to deal with. So, in this invitation, we open the altar space, we open where you're at. I will, I will gladly speak with you. I will pray with you. If you want to pray about being a member of this church, if you don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior, don't let that go by today. If you need to know who Jesus is, come today. But the time is yours. But it's limited. At least in our context, it's sort of limited to however long that song lasts. Whatever that is. Doesn't mean you can't keep praying. I promise you. I promise you, you can keep praying. And by the way, if you and I are praying, and they're done playing, we're going to keep praying. We're, not, we're done when we're done, and they can either do a, make up their own verse or whatever. It doesn't matter. But we're here because this is our time. This is our time. 
So if you need to know the Holy Spirit, if you need strength, if you need healing, come now. Let's pray. Father, you are holy and righteous. We love you and we praise you. Lord, help us to, again, to to seek you with every fiber of our being so that we can be washed white as snow. If If we're carrying burdens, help us to get rid of those burdens. Help us to leave them at your feet where they belong. Help us to repent and to know Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Come as you will.